With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news. Trends. The people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Hello again, everybody. Hour number two of the big program. Up next, this hour, you know, we've got some great guests. We'll tell you about that in a minute. This is a portion of the Evergreen Podcast production system. Check out our friends at evergreenpodcast.com for diverse and dynamically curated blend of creative programs with a wide range of lifestyle programming, including motorcycle racing. What? Yes, you can do it. We are their number one rated program, and there's a reason why. We get great guests. We have outstanding hosts. The primary host is really good. Speaking of that, Tony Winks in the studio, yours truly, the primary, Scott Casper, and uh, PJ Duran with the week off. want to thank Eddie Kunekamp, as always. Chris Bishop and Tommy Boy Halverson are uh, contributing to this program, as they always do want to thank jack and leanne de leon for making sure the program not only hits the internet but also hits the radio waves as part of our effort to promote this sport all right uh big shout out to to uh eli tomac i know it's been he already had the thing wrapped up last week before last week's race at the iron man but he went ahead and just did a 3-1 for the for the overall Finish to what was a point spread, Tony? I, I don't even know off the top of my head the point spread between Eli and Kenny Roxon. Well, I mean, he had it, he had, he had it wrapped in up. The, yeah, I mean, he and then Adam Cianciarillo in the 250 class, he had he had to DNF basically to not win the championship, and he went 2 4, which got him a podium spot in the last race, which gave him the title. So, Kawasaki is on, they're back on top. All right, so let me back up to Kenny Roxon because. If you recall, it's been what two and a half years. Okay, horrific crash. Horrific crash. Yes, we. I. Some, some question whether he's ever going to walk again. Truly, but all right, man. I, I, his arm injury was nasty, and and I, you don't walk on your hands, but I don't. But uh, his, <laughs> yeah, okay. But his arm injury was was really gross, and I did not believe that he would come back. Right. As I didn't think he'd be a contender. In, it's in, called professional athlete rehab is what it is. And it's tremendous what's going on in North Carolina, California, in all sports. We're seeing people who are injured tremendously come back and be even better. It's like the Tommy John surgery you have on your arm if you're a pitcher. Uh, when you come back and you're hurling 5 to 10 miles an hour faster in really? baseball. Maybe yeah. I need that. I, you should get two or three I of could, them. I could start playing baseball. Well, you I, should. Or maybe I need it for my throttle. You know, I need a wrist kit on my right arm. Yeah. That way I could go faster. I could just buckle it in. Just a wrist kit. I could just put it in my wrist and I'd be <laughs> I'd be as fast as Corey Grafunder or somebody maybe. Hey, if you missed any part of hour number one, you missed Chris Parrish, Rory O'Neill, and we finished the hour uh, with a fascinating conversation with Charlie Roberts and Chris Hawkins. And why is it uh, important? Well, Tony, this Friday, what happens? This Friday will be the 31st annual. It's an event that I took over a few years ago and it's in Davenport, Iowa. Right. It is the vintage and if you're not a flat track fan, oh, that's boy. okay. You should come watch this event. You're within within uh, driving distance. It's it's on the way to Springfield, so we're gonna we're gonna do that 
on Friday. There's probably the best antique motorcycle swap meet in the United States. Definitely one of the best. The boys from, uh, what's that show? Frankie Fritz? And the guys that, Frank is going to come uh, help us uh, with the John Parham Award. What is that show that they do? American it's called American Pickers. Pickers. Yeah, yeah. So, so those guys go, and there's there's people from Japan, Australia. It's really incredible. And Australia. There's a lot of, of uh, he Corey just hung it's okay, up. It's okay. He's done. He's like, I'm not waiting. I'm going to sit it's through okay. this. So go ahead. Frankie Fritz. Yeah, Frankie Fritz, and it's uh, man, the the event is super cool. In the half mile, we've got Chris Carr coming. We have um, uh, George Roeder. Uh, there's a bunch of Davy Drell. They just talked about him. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's it's talk uh, about the John Parmore the that uh, that you came up with basically. It's it's the Lifetime Achievement Award. So John Parm is is uh, the guy that originated this event 31 years ago, and we know he died of, of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, he, 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 he had a lung removed and a transplant, I think it was, and, and then uh, eventually passed from it. But he was sick for a while. Um, we, uh, it's, uh, it's, it was a tribute to him. I think John made a big impact on the motorcycle industry. He had the uh, JP Cycles, the mail order, that which was kind of – you know, for it was like the J.C. Whitney for motorcycles, and and he did a really good job of 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 doing that, and 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 uh, kind of revolutionizing the industry before the internet existed. You'd actually order out of a catalog, so um, it's uh, pretty pretty uh, important. He he also is very passionate. He had the motorcycle museum in Anamos, Iowa, the National Motorcycle Museum, which is a big deal. I think we have Corey back on. Good, so. Um, yeah, so John made a big impact, and uh, you know we 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 were gonna. I was excited to work with him on that event. He passed the year I bought the event, so um, it uh, it's something that I've worked with with uh, Mark from the museum and also uh, John's wife. So John. yeah, and and I'm and I'm, I'm I haven't announced who's going to win that award. I'm going to do it that night at the race. I know the guy's going to be there, so it's going to be a big deal. Okay, let's go to our first guest of hour number two. He is Corey Grifunder. Corey, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Were you just tired of waiting while we go through the pre-show uh, or pre-hour uh, intros and all that? <laughs> yeah, I figured I'd just leave for a minute and you know come back when <laughs> take, you're ready take, for take, me. Take a smoke break. I appreciate the uh, <laughs> oh, you smoke break. Huh? You, you're Canadian. <laughs> Burnout good. break. Burnout break. How's it going, man? It's going real good. Talk about Endurocross. Um. Yeah. It was. It was a really really good weekend for me. Um. Pretty amazing to win Heat One. You're uh I don't know if you're in a bad area, but we're having a little bit of we kinda got what you said. You said it was awesome to win a race. Um but if you if you're driving maybe drive to the top of the hill and park if you if you don't mind or or uh go outside off your porch or something. But uh um Corey when you're leading a race like that and you win a race like that, talk about the, uh, you know, just the feeling like, holy crap, I'm going to win this thing, you know? And if you hadn't done it before, it's a feeling that takes, I would imagine it takes some getting used to. Yeah. You know, I've, I've led and, and won tons of races over the years, of course, never an enduro cross. So it's, it's definitely different. You know, um, my first time I went to Erzberg, I, basically hole shot at it and was leading and it was kind of a similar situation as that like you know i'm just riding a dirt bike but 
now there's all these extra emotions showing up. Right, right. Well, you know, let's go back to how it all started for you in Endura Cross. It was 2009 when your star really started to shine. And I don't know if you felt it. Uh, obviously, the industry did. But Enduro Cross has been forever changed. How has it changed for you and the balance of the field since 2009? Oh, my God. It's gone going round and round in circles. It's Yeah, there's, there's been many different varieties of Enduro Cross. The, the formats changed. The, the tracks have changed. The competitors have changed. Um, yeah, it's been, there's been highs. There's been lows. Um, you know, like earlier this year, it was, it was gone essentially. So, um, it was pretty awesome to at least have some, some races this year, but you know, this year was all new again with the three motor race format, which I really liked. And I think the fans liked and pretty much everyone I talked to over the whole weekend, uh, really enjoyed it. You know, you got to see the top riders out on the track more times. The, the racing was more intense, I think. You know, Enduro Cross is really hard doing a 12 to 15 minute main event. By the time you get halfway through that, everyone's tired. Smoked. And I, I think the racing, the racing shows that, you know, everyone kind of goes into a little bit of a conserve mode. And, you know, with a, with a seven minute race, everyone's just going all out the whole time. So I think it was really exciting. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's a it's a and it's no surprise, you know, that Perinard's back involved in it, and he and Hammock is is uh, is with him as well. Uh, Todd Hammock, um, they are, you know, Eric Perinard, of, of course, he's the guy that come up with with Enduro Cross and and uh, the U.S. Open and um, the the Super uh, King of Bershey race, um, the, or you know the Paris Supercross. Um, there's there's so many things that he's come up with that it's just brilliant. And I know he probably doesn't hit a home run in every one of them. He's involved in the, the Tennessee TKO, TKO knockout. Um, but everything it seems like everything that guy touches is just it turns to gold. And, and I was really excited to see that he and and Todd had uh, brought Enduro Cross back. You know, of course it's it's presented by Fox because Pernard is is uh, you know he works with Fox, but uh, that guy is is really, um, you know, really well-respected and just seems like he, if, if, Enduro, if, a, if a race is in trouble, pass it to Eric and he'll make it work. And we were really confused and bummed when we heard that Enduro Cross got bought out by a guy and then all of a sudden the new group says, ah, it's done. You know, they couldn't secure the sponsorship or whatever. And I think, I know there's circumstances that you can't control or whatever, but I think it was kind of irresponsible for for that other group to uh, to commit to something and not be able to produce. You know, it's it's uh, if you don't have your sponsors in line ahead of time, maybe or or extremely deep pockets. You know, maybe you shouldn't do that. So it kind of put everybody at jeopardy. But but now you guys are all back. You've got Taddy Blazuziak, which has serious star power, um, and I'm curious to hear Taddy of of old versus Taddy today. What was that like? Is he is he still as badass as he's ever been? Um, is he showing his age? Because he's he's no spring chicken now, right? Um, I don't know. He he looked pretty fit, in in my opinion. Um, you know, there was a, a time back when he won all of his titles that he was just flat out on an, another level than than the whole field. You know, he he figured out that endurocross thing long before everyone else did, and he really couldn't do anything wrong. He you know, last place start, he'd still win. It, it didn't really matter. But in that time, you know, especially 
since he's been away from America for a while now, I think all the rest of us have closed that gap. You know, uh, Colton and, and Cody have definitely been leading the charge with that. They've been at the front of the pack, and you know, the rest of us have just been trying to keep up. Every year, we improve, and and they improve, and everyone gets better, and the you know everyone just gets better. So, I don't know if what Taddy was expecting. I don't know if he was expecting to come back and and dominate like he did before, but they had a little bit of a rough night. Um, a lot of guys did. So. <laughs> was the track like it was before? I mean, is it is it uh, you know that you guys just blitz everything now? Whereas before it was more, I don't know, like a methodical or, or eh, that's not the word to use, but it was more uh, calculated. It seemed like you could watch and he's like, okay, this is what he's going to do. You guys just blitz everything now. It's really impressive. Yeah, back in the day, it, it was more just about accomplishing the obstacles. You know, if you could just ride a lap and make it through every obstacle and not make a mistake, you're doing great. But not anymore. Like, you, you either have to jump everything or hit, hit everything wide open or, you know, charge through everything. You know, the suspension settings have gone ridiculously stiff in Endurocross just because the pace is so much higher and we're hitting everything so much harder. Um, the, the track was a lot different, you know. It's it's a long ways off what we had 10 years ago. We didn't even have water there. So, you know, that, that changes things completely. No water this weekend. Yeah, it was all dry. Um, the, the night started off, and they had watered the track. So there is a little bit of moisture out there, and it does track into the rock section. So it was a little bit slippery, but, you know, n- nothing compared to when you have a two-foot deep pond and sure. dirt bikes splashing into it and water dripping out of skid plates around the whole track and you can't even imagine hitting the log at anything but 90 degrees <laughs> what do you think of that do you think it's better without water um i don't know it's that's a conversation that we've all had for years and you know i think it does i think the racing's a little bit more competitive because you're not so much just riding on the edge the edge of falling down or sliding out the whole time you you can trust the track, you can trust the tires, and you can push the limit a little bit more. Um, I think it makes us look a little bit better in that regard because we are charging and yes. pushing. You know, when you're when you're riding around on eggshells, it, it kind of looks like we're going slow. Well, we are going slow because we're almost falling down because it's so slippery. So it, I think it does make for more aggressive head-to-head racing, but at the same time, it somewhat takes away from you know, the people that can deal with those slippery conditions better. I think it, it does too. I think the people, we, we don't have a clue how hard it is, when, what you're doing out there and how slick it is. So it's like you watch it and you're like, well, you know, it's like a supercross track. You can't imagine how steep those jumps are until you do like a track walk or something. If you get, you know, and if you get up on it, you're like, and when I managed a team, we would go to the, it was, you know, we would, we'd be doing track walk with the riders and, and they'd say, hey, we're going to jump this to here. And I go, and I just look at it and I go, and I wouldn't say it, but I'd go, there's no way they're going to do this. <laughs> the, and, and I've been around it and raced my whole life. I raced arena cross. I mean, I've been, you know what I mean? I've been to every supercross at one point in a season. I know as well as any fan, I know the sport and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm on the track. There's no way they're going to do this. They're taking a speed bump, basically, and jumping a mountain. They're not going to do this. And second lap, they're all doing it. You know, even the slow guys that don't make the show are are doing it. And 
it you know and and so endurocross i got to believe is, in a lot of regards is 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 similar you know you're you're doing stuff that we just can't even imagine and if it's slick it's just not as impressive sitting up in the stands for the fans yeah that's for sure um you know there wasn't really any big jumps or anything too crazy this past weekend but you know, in the past, we've had tons of obstacles like that where, like, just like you're saying, I'll, I'll do track walk and look at a double and go, man, I, <laughs> I, re- I really don't want to do that. <laughs> that looks a little dangerous. And then all it takes is one guy to do it in practice, and then everyone goes, all right, I guess we got to do it now. Sure. Corey, you've been injured, I know. Um, I, I think, I mean, you had a couple injuries, if, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, Broke ankle in 2018. Yeah, yeah it was been, an ankle or something. It's been a pretty rough like a year and a half for me, I uh, started at last dog standing in 2018. I flew off a teeter totter and came down and yeah, pretty much destroyed my ankle, broken, yeah. dislocated, had surgery and pinned the joint back together. And it was like eight, nine months mm. before I was back on the bike from that. And I'm still feeling that sitting here talking to you right now. But <clears throat> since then, you know, I, I was back on the bike for about a month and then just out trail riding in the desert and, hit a route going down a road and flew over the bars, broke my pelvis, bunch of ribs, shoulder injury. So (laughs) it's, yeah, it's been rough, but I've been back on the bike now for a few months and I'm feeling healthy and feeling strong. I uh, posted something on Facebook. I know that Corey, you'll want to see it, Tony, you and the rest of our listeners will want to see it, but it's a dude on a practice track. Okay. And he's got a, it looks like a 450. I'm not confident, but I believe it's a 450 and he does, uh, a, you know, a couple rotations of, of the uh, practice track, big jumps, a lot of, a uh, lot of air. His dog is sitting there watching the whole thing. Black lab. Oh, I saw this. He stops. Dog jumps up on the seat and the tank. And he did the jump, and he, like, fully whips the thing. Amazing. Have you seen that, Corey? Yeah, it's um, uh, Pages, right? Oh, well, he knows him. You know the guy. Okay, that's, that's what I was hoping the answer would be. <laughs> it was National Dog Day yesterday, wasn't it? That's why I bring it up, yeah. 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 So I don't have one. How about we, you, Corey? Uh, no, not, not right now. Wouldn't it be cool to have a dog that wants to go riding as much as you do? <laughs> You know, no. when I when I first saw that video that you're talking about, it reminded me of a guy at Atalanto Grand Prix that I saw years ago that had a dog that rode on his bike all the time. Yeah. And he had made some type of, um, you know, saddlebag slash <laughs> saddle, you know, thing that had some pouches that is, you know, the dog's back legs went in. He, he made him a helmet with the jaw cut off. So it was <laughs> I remember that. He had the goggles on. <laughs> and he hauled the mail. He wasn't no slouch with that dog on. And the dogs do enjoy it. Once they begin to trust you as a rider, right, and trust the equipment, they're not afraid. They're really getting into it. You know? <laughs> I love that. I, I remember do. that. I am. Uh, Bought a front-end traction. Yeah. Front- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Grafunder, I guess. Corey, um, perhaps uh, you know what a two-up is, right? Like two people on the bike? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm the dog. I'm still afraid of getting on the bike with that guy, okay? But Corey Grafunder, if it was Corey doing it, I would get on the bike and let you do whatever you want to do. Enduro cross, you'd Enduro get on it. You bet with Corey. I would. You bet uh, it'd be I a lot would. of fun for Corey. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you got to race. With He's not me a small man. No, I'm he's a, a full size grown I'm man with, with whiskers and a, everything. It's going to be yeah. yeah. Maybe some circle wheelies. Circle wheelies. Wow. 
You think you right. gonna you gonna do a one leg drag or are you gonna full on both feet on the pegs? Well, I'll, put, I'll leave my feet on the pegs. You can drag your leg. <laughs> Who is it? Is it um, American Super Camp um, with the what are those fifties? They're not fifties. They're bigger than that. Uh, they've got like two third one one fifties. They do. Have you seen this? Uh, you know what American Super Camp is, Corey? It's a flat track school. No. Okay, so Chris Card, you know who that is, and Danny Walker. Yeah. They, yeah. So, all right, so they have this school, and they and I've witnessed it firsthand. They come in full speed. They back this one, like a CRF 150, back it in full throttle, and they do a complete donut without putting their foot down, and they're still going the same direction. It's, it's the ins- most amazing thing. It's insane. Yeah. I think I remember doing that on a frozen lake when I still lived in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, it's always good to talk to you. You got sponsors that you would like to mention? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely SRT Off Road, my main sponsor. Uh, Yamaha this year, riding a Yamaha 250F. I don't know how long it's been since one of those have been in Cross, but thanks to them. Uh, Motul, O'Neill, Showy, C Concepts, HBD, Shirai, AME, Seahorn, uh, Skid Plates, CD, Hammer Nutrition, Recluse. Viral, TBT, and uh, Evans. I want to invite you to give me a description how Motul has improved the performance of you and your equipment. Um, I don't really know. I, uh, I haven't had any any engine issues. There it is. I guess. Um, I think my clutches perform a little bit better too. What is the average uh, life expectancy of oil? and transmission fluid, in, in this case, uh, clutch fuel or uh, 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 clutch lubricant. What's the average life expectancy doing what you do? Because obviously you are performing on a piece of equipment that isn't necessarily designed for the kind of pressure that you're putting on it. Um, I would probably say like a maximum of four hours on, oil, on engine oil, probably less than that. Okay. Wow. And some Supercross guys are every race, they will change it out. And that, to yeah. me, is amazing. Riding Endurocross, it's it's not that hard on the clutch, you know, compared to, like, motocross, supercross, where you're accelerating and you're slipping the clutch all the way through that acceleration. You know, that that's going to degrade the oil a lot. Endurocross, you're not really doing that so much. It's more of a, a pop or a snap of the clutch. So you, Right. Um, I think it's actually a lot easier on the motors not as much heat is generated right yeah not as much heat um, the viscosity of the oil stands up and uh, you can get more hours out of it so there is a difference between a supercross or a motocross and an enduro cross as far as the pressure it puts on the engine and the product that's in it so i want to give motul a little bit of a tip of the cap because they've been with you and and many other guys just like you and they create great product so one of the one of the things i really enjoy about motul is especially when i go out and train for extreme enduro you know out 100 100 plus degree days and just grinding up canyons and boulders and that kind of stuff that's when we get a lot of engine heat and i really enjoy the smell that comes out of the motul oil when that bike gets really really hot there are things like that that i enjoy too i love the the smell of a two-stroke right inside of a building (laughs) yeah same thing and i know you do too tony i like the sound that a two-stroke makes i just walked back in the room to be truthful i i missed part of this conversation we're talking about smells smells that i like Corey likes pancakes um (laughs) i i like uh you know the the little tree car fresheners sure 
True North. There's one I just boom. Really? If you yeah, get the True North. It's insanely well, good. If you're gonna travel, I have my whole Tony. my whole RVs, my Sprinter van, everything, all True North now. Even at home, we got it at home. I love it. True North in my bathroom. Corey, there you go. Uh, a ringing endorsement from Tony. Got it on my 450 Honda. Got it for hanging from the brake lever. It's sweet. <laughs> love it. Coming up next, Jeff Fair and Corey Grafunder heads to the pits. Corey, thank you. God bless. Be safe out there. There we go. It is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Hour number two continues. We'll have a very special intro to the next segment. So stay tuned for that. We'll tell you why it has something to do with iHeartRadio. Stay tuned. What's up? This is Brian Egan, the J. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.